Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar. Media, audio, radio, network at Harp on Sports via the Twitter, Instagram, Harp on Sports. Available for you, the bar, via podcast, three different ways. Buzzsprout, Spotify, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Harpon Sports, Facebook page, YouTube channel, and HarponSports.com. Follow, like, share, subscribe if you haven't already on all of those platforms. What do we have in store for you on this edition? A little Dougie Fresh as the Jaguars end up finally picking a head coach after five weeks. Did they make the right hire? They made the, people keep calling it the safe hire. What it is, it's the structural hire explain what that is the nfl trying to figure out what to do with this brian flores situation the dolphins the giants the broncos all implicated this tanking and trying to lose on purpose just the rumors even cleveland drug into this thing everybody's always tried to figure out a way to stop tanking in the nba looks like this may be a foot a little bit in the nba in the nfl we've always known it kind of existed uh but there's a way to solve it there's a way to solve it in the nba and there's a way to solve it in the nfl Two-for-one deal. We're going to tell you how uh, to cure that. And a renaissance in college basketball, if you will. Something that's fascinating that you're not going to hear anywhere else but here. All right, let's start off this first. Uh, The Jaguars, Doug Peterson, the new head football coach. You know, it's been called the safe hire. They interviewed him first. They finally got to where they wanted to go. Well, just because you get to where you want to go doesn't mean you're smart and intelligent, right? The Jaguars are Kramer from Seinfeld is who they are. There's a whole episode with Kramer and Seinfeld where he goes to a fantasy camp and George <laughs> talks to Jerry about his whole life is a fantasy camp. Whole life is a fantasy camp. Balls backwards into money. He has sex without dating. That's fantasy camp. Sits around, does nothing all day. <laughs> the, the, the Jaguars, look, they stumbled into it. Playing the lottery and the hitting the numbers correctly doesn't mean you're Warren Buffett. And what the Jaguars did was, I don't want to say they got lucky, but nobody hired Doug Peterson. He won a Super Bowl. He's a quarterback guy. He'll be successful with Trevor Lawrence. He will be. He will be. Now, what happened with Byron Leftwich? What happened with, well, pick and choose? The five, six other guys that were in the fray that were being discussed. Who knows? Who knows? You know, it sounds like Byron Leftwich didn't want to work with Trent Balke. Oh, okay. And if I am interviewing for this position and I'm an assistant coach and I'm worried that the GM's going to get fired at the end of the year, then I know I'm on the hot seat because the new GM, if that happens, is going to want his guy. So if I'm looking around going, you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get fired at the end of the year. I come and work for you for a year, and you get fired, and I'm hosed then. And i got to go back and be an assistant somewhere else where I don't want to be. I'm comfortable now. I'll wait for the next cycle. You think Trevor Lawrence and the number one overall pick would be enough? It isn't. Not there. Doug Peterson had success in Philadelphia, and if you can handle Philadelphia, you can handle Jacksonville. I'm sure Doug Peterson's looking around going, hey, look, man, I come there, I can win six, seven games with this roster, and we can go from there. People, certain people always think they can make it work. And the hiring of Doug Peterson, you know what he is? He's a granola bar. That doesn't sound very exciting. Yeah. Doug Peterson's a granola bar. Let me explain. By being a granola bar, he's not biscuits and gravy. He's not endless stack of pancakes. He's not four sausage patties and Six strips of bacon. It's digestible. It's not going to do you wrong. Is it the flashiest thing in the world? No. Doug Peterson is oatmeal. 
Doug Peterson's oatmeal. Easy to digest, filling, going to stabilize you for the day. The best analogy I can give you, gang. Not too exciting, not depressing, just right there. Just right there. Regular bag of potato chips, just right there. Which is fine. Which is fine. Regular pepperoni pizza. Nothing wrong with that. For that organization, nothing wrong with that. It's going to be great for Trevor Lawrence. Now what? It'll be interesting to see what Trent Balky and what, what they do here. The Doug Peterson approach. I know what I would do. And I'm going to tell you what I would do. You know, maybe not being able to find the right head coach or the head coach that fans wanted. That's fine. The one thing that Shad Khan can do now is he can go spend a buttload of money on assistant coaches. That's one thing that he can do. And who knows if this is Doug Peterson or Trent Balky's call. I know what I would do. The first person I'd go hire, I'd, everybody loves Vic Fangio, and Vic Fangio would be a good defensive coordinator. I'd go hire Mike Zimmer, former defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I'd go hire Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's a good coach. What happened in Minnesota? Minnesota decided to go with Kirk Cousins. It didn't work for Mike Zimmer. Was that his call? Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson is going to focus entirely on the offense. By hiring Mike Zimmer, you can say the defense is yours. Go get him. Go get him. Defense is yours, Z. Mike Zimmer's a good defensive coordinator. He's a tough guy. He's a tough coach. And look, in Minnesota, they were never awful and dreadful. They were mediocre at times. They were 13-3 one year. They had multiple winning seasons. The guy's a good coach. Mike Zimmer would be my defensive coordinator if I were Doug Peterson. And this is what I would do. Will they do it? Don't know. This is how I would sell this guy on the job. I go to him and say, hey, look, we're going to make you our assistant head coach. We're going to make you our assistant head coach, and you're going to be the offensive coordinator. And we're going to pay you 50% more than you're making right now. We're not going to double your salary, but we're, we're going to make it close. You're making $2 million, we'll pay you 3 You don't want 3 we'll pay you 35 and, and the logic that you use behind it is this. As long as Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, people are going to think it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Eric, that's not that's why you're not getting head coaching jobs. Because people think it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You're you're not only in Patrick Mahomes' shadow, you're in Andy Reid's shadow. If Eric Bannemi doesn't get the Saints job, if I were the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, Trent Balky, I'd ask Eric Bannemi, come on down. We want to make you our assistant head coach, and we're going to pay you $3 million plus a year to be, be our offensive coordinator. You get to work with Trevor Lawrence, you get to build this offense any way you want to build it. And we're going to build it. We're going to build it around Trevor. You're going to be the guy. And... Look, two or three years here as the assistant head coach. You get this team to the playoffs, you'll be able to do what you want to do. You get to pick your NFL head coaching job. Anthony Lynn, hired as an assistant head coach, you know, in the last 24 hours in the NFL. It's a smart move. It's a strong move. Guy was a decent head coach. Not great. Decent head coach with the Chargers. Now he's an assistant head coach, and the Jaguars should do the exact same with Eric Bieniemy. Well, he'll never leave Kansas City. If he wants to be a head coach, he will. If Eric Bieniemy wants to be a head coach, he'll leave Kansas City. Because we've done this three years now. This is the third straight year, fourth straight year. We've done this with Eric Bieniemy, where he'll interview and not get a job, interview and not get a job. He's he's probably had, what, eight, nine interviews for a head coaching job? And it's the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid effect. And I know it shouldn't be that way, because it wasn't that way with Bill Belichick in New England. It wasn't. Josh McDaniel just got hired, didn't he? In Vegas. Before then, Matt Patricia, for crying out loud, got hired. Brian Flores got hired. Going to get to that in a second. So it shouldn't be that way. But Mike Zimmer, Eric Bieniemy, an almost double Bieniemy salary, make him assistant head coach. Give Trevor Lawrence, go, go, go get him. You do this here, pick what head coach job you want in two, three years. 
That's what I would do. Just in a good year. He just had a decent year next year offensively. He'd be like, oh, okay, he knows what he's doing. It's not just Patrick Mahomes. Not going to be able to get out of Patrick Mahomes' shadow or Andy Reid's. So there you go. That's what I do if I were the Jags. Oh, by the way, you have to draft Evan Neal or you have to draft an offensive lineman number one overall. You do. Unless somehow you can go trade for one and put him at left tackle. You have to get at least one offensive lineman in the first two rounds of this draft. And if you're serious about protecting Trevor Lawrence, you have to do that. Now, look, if Orlando Brown hits the open market from the Chiefs, he had a good year. He struggled against the, the Bengals in the second half, but that dude had a good year. If I doubt the Chiefs make him available, but go get him if he, if he is. If not, there's a couple other guys out there, but I draft the best offensive lineman at number one and go after that. Getting another strong defensive lineman isn't going to help you with your quarterback. Just not. So we'll see what Doug Peterson does. But overall, the Jaguars are Kramer. Doug Peterson is oatmeal granola bar. Safe. Stable. Yeah. It's the structural hire because he'll be able to grow the structure around Trevor Lawrence. Uh, staying in the NFL, but switching gears here a little bit, the Brian Flores situation, you know, with what the Dolphins did, was that racist or not? I, you know, I think there's two different factors here. I think the Giants already knowing who their head coach was going to be before interviewing him. It was a token interview. We know that. So he's got merit there. In Denver, John Elway being drunk or sloshed. I don't. I wasn't there. I don't know. Disheveled. He said he took a red eye or he's exhausted from a flight. Don't know. Going to have to look into more about that. Although the Dolphins thing, Brian Flores, you know, had come, he'd come out and said with Miami that they wanted him to tank. This is a different issue. There's multiple things going on here with Brian Flores. Multiple things. And to me, the lawsuit isn't in place to win. The lawsuit is in place to bring the house down. What's the line Michael Caine gives Christian Bale in the dark night? Some people don't need a reason. Some people just want to see the world burn. And to me, Brian Flores, burning the NFL. Burning the NFL. The Dolphins story is one where he even says in here that that's when trust was lost. That's when things started to fall apart, when he wouldn't tank or lose games on purpose. Well, that's not (laughs) race-related. That's felony-related. That's criminal-related. So, racism, Dolphin, whatever mess is going on there... Hugh Jackson chimes in that the Browns wanted him to lose on purpose. So you got this mess and tanking rolls back into place, right? Doug Peterson, were they tanking in Philly when he benched Jalen Hurts? So, or took Jalen Hurts out. So I I start to think about this. And the NFL and the NBA are in the same boat. The NBA is a little bit different because of the ping pong balls, but the team with the worst record still gets the most ping pong balls. So it's still advantageous for you to be the worst. Not as much as it is in the NFL, but it's still advantageous for you to be the worst. And there's ways to tank without tanking, right? Oh, so-and-so's got an oblique strain. We don't want to push it. So-and-so tweaked a hammy. We don't want to push it. There's, there's ways to do that. But if you're the NFL and the NBA, you can stop this. You can. Here's how you stop it. Did I come up with this? Pretty simple. The four teams, the four teams, well, first of all, the team with the worst record in the NFL picks fifth. In the draft. Team with the worst record in the NFL picks fifth. So this year the Jaguars would pick fifth. The Lions would pick sixth. That's how that, that's how you structure that first. What would the Jets pick seventh? Is that who's picking third in the draft? Texans? Yeah, there, there you go. So the Jaguars would pick fifth. Sixth would be our friends in Detroit. Seventh would be the Texans. Eighth would be the Jets. Ninth would be the Giants. Well, who's going to pick in the top four? The four teams that came the closest to making the playoffs. So it would be what this year? And again, you have to look at it from this perspective. I'll explain why. The Saints, the Chargers, 
the Eagles and the Ravens. Those would be the first four picks in the draft because those are the four teams that almost made the playoffs. You incentivize almost getting there. And if you make the playoffs, you make the playoffs. If you lose, well, Seth, that's going to lead to teams tanking because they're going to want the number one overall pick. Aha, here's the thing. Those four teams go into a jumble. You're going to make it damn near impossible to get the number one pick. You do. And, you know, well, it's going to incentivize tanking for what? The fifth overall pick down at the bottom? Yeah, Jaguars fans and Jets fans openly rooting for their teams to lose in week 10 last year to get Trevor Lawrence. Week nine, week ten, they're opening. They're it's halfway through the year, and they're, they're wanting their teams to lose. You put yourself in a position where there's no way to navigate that. There's no way to navigate the number one pick. Same thing in the NBA. The worst team in the NBA, worst record, they have the fifth overall pick. The team with the second worst record has the sixth overall pick. The four teams that come the closest to making the playoffs, and I'm not talking about the closest is these four teams. You're going to have to restructure this where 10 plays, seven, uh, nine plays, eight. You know what they were doing the last few years or however they were doing this to get the top eight? No, the top eight still make it. You, you wipe this garbage program they have out now. The four teams that come the closest to making the NBA playoffs, those four teams go in the lottery. And that's how you determine in one through four. The team with the worst record picks fifth. It's the only way to get rid of tanking, gang. It's the only way. It's the only way you incentivize getting to the playoffs. Well, Seth, a bunch of teams are going to try to get to the playoffs, then lose on the last week. Okay, good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Oh, we're almost to the good luck with your fan base on that one. Could you imagine a team in the NFL? This year it would have been, what, the Saints? Can you imagine the Saints needing a win to make the postseason? Or, what, the Chargers in here? Is that who else we had in here? Yeah. Could you imagine that Chargers Raiders game at the end of the year? Oh, we're going to take, we're going to lose this one on purpose so we can be one of four teams in the lottery to maybe get the number one pick. You just couldn't do it. It's a brilliant plan. Look at this. One of my best ones. One of my best ones today. That's how you stop that stuff. Worst record picks, Beth. Genius. Yeah. Oh, really quick. I'm going to quick college football, then into the college basketball. If this Brian Harson thing falls apart, at Auburn, which it looks like it's a mess. If he is done or whatever's going on there, Auburn, you hire Matt Campbell. It's not even, look, at this point, it's like, well, this guy's an assistant, and then you hire Matt Campbell because there's precedent here. Auburn has gone to Iowa State before for a head coach. It's where they got Gene Chizik from. Now, did it last long-term? No, but Gene Chizik did deliver you a national championship when he was able to get Cam Newton. Matt Campbell's 42. He's young. Nick Saban is in his 70s. Nick Saban is not going to coach for five more years. Five, Nick Saban will be done within the next five years. I mean, his mid-70s by then. Well, he's young at heart. Yeah, he is. But with NIL and the whole entire structure of this thing changing, Nick Saban's not going to do this for much longer. He's just not. Even Mike Krzyzewski, who's at his, not maybe at his peak, but close, he's like, I'm done. I'm done doing this. So you're Auburn. You can go get a coach that's 42 years old, 43 years old. With an eye for the future, they could start to recruit and start to build the base in time. That's what you do, if that happens. If that happens with Brian Harson. Matt Campbell's the guy. I don't even blink twice. I wanted to end with college basketball. I mentioned Coach K. I don't ever recall this happening in my lifetime. I, I, I'm sure it did. I'd have to really, really dig down and find it. I'd have to really dig down and find it. These teams have won the most national championships in the history of college basketball. UCLA 11, Kentucky 8, North Carolina 6, Duke 5, Indiana 5, make sure I get this right, UConn 4, Kansas 3, Villanova 3. Again, UCLA has won the most with 11. Kentucky has won 8. We know those are the top two. UCLA 11, 
Kentucky 8. North Carolina 6. Duke and Indiana have each won 5. UConn's won 4. I can't believe You always forget about the Hoosiers winning 5 as well. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's such a... Yeah. Nova? Kansas each with 3. 1, 2, 3, 4. The 7 programs in college basketball with the most national championships all make the tournament. I can't think of the last time that's happened. I can't think of the last time these seven teams have all made the tournament. The seven teams with the most national championships. And then you get like the Michigan States of the world. You got teams in there with a couple. Louisville's got a couple. They're not going to make it, but they're not in here. I, I just can't think of it. Because there's tiers where, okay, Indiana made it. Okay, Indiana made it. UCLA makes it. Yeah, but Villanova doesn't. Or UConn doesn't. Duke all, always is there. But this year in college basketball, right now, as we're, we've hit February, the seven teams that have won the most national championships in the history of college basketball are all in the tournament. And this isn't a cheap one either, where they're all hovering around the nine and eight and 11 seed things here. What do we have right now? According to Bracketology, UCLA is a two, Kentucky would be a two, Duke would be a two, Kansas would be a three, Villanova would be a five, IU a six, UConn a, or IU a five, UConn a six, North Carolina a 10. That'd be the lowest. That's the closest thing you have to a bubble. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? I think that's pretty cool. It'd be like a college football playoff if it expanded to eight and you had Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and USC, and Alabama, and Texas. Imagine Ohio State. It'd be, it'd be that type of thing. It'd be like, wow, look at this. It, it you know, it wouldn't be quite, it'd be, it'd be a, you know, the divisional series in baseball in the American League, it was what? Think about this. It'd be like, just think about like, let's start at the National League first. It'd be like the Cardinals, you know, and the Giants. And then in the other division, what? The Dodgers? You wouldn't say the Cubs, would you? No, you kind of, kind of avoid that one a little bit. Think about the greats. So the Pirates in there? I'm talking all time now. I'm talking just recent. I'm talking about like tradition, rich, strong champions. Be remarkable. In, in the American League, you could do you could have a field day in the American League. You want the Red Sox and Yankees in there in some capacity. Who else would you throw in there? Troy Tigers? Huh? Just those tradition, just to have a series like that. Orioles? Yeah, so I, I, I'm trying to think, like, if you, you went through and picked the teams that won the eight most World Series, could you imagine that in any other sport? Could you imagine the NFL postseason, the teams with the eight most Super Bowls playing? Could you imagine a conference champion, a conference championship game in the NFC where you have, I don't know, I just think about, I'm just trying to the top of my head, where you'd have the Packers and the Cowboys on one side and then, what, Niners and Giants on the other? Like, whoa. In the AFC, you'd have what? Think about the teams that have won the, the Patriots. It's hard to believe that you would say the, the Patriots and the Raiders along with the Steelers. See what that would that'd just be awesome. Just be awesome. So college basketball, the eight teams that have the most national championships are all in the tournament as of right now. Pretty amazing stuff. So there you go. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe on all your platforms at Harp on Sports, Twitter and Instagram. Podcast, The Bar, available for you. Spotify, Buzzsprout, and Apple Podcast. Harp on Sports Facebook page. Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. And harponsports.com. Consume, consume, consume. And remember, 
Stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.